For a little bit of a slow start, the trade deadline started heating up, so we're breaking it all down on today's Renner Ranks. This is Renner Ranks, the ultimate NFL ranking show. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Into today's episode of Renner Ranks, your go-to daily rankings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Special shout out to the everydayers for making Renner Ranks your first listen of the day. Even though this is a little later, listen today because I had the show all prepped to be breakout players. I have that episode actually done. We'll release it tomorrow. But the trade deadline started heating up. Moves started coming in. I said I wanted to trade it to a rapid reaction to this trade deadline to get it out to you tonight on Tuesday, October 31st on Halloween here. So I am your host, Mike Renner. NFL draft analyst for the messenger at Mike Renner underscore on social media, wherever platform that is. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash lockdown to get started. Like I said, on today's episode, we are doing trade deadline. It was a little slow heading into the week, but Monday, Tuesday, some deals started coming in fast. We're going to go through every single one, then give my thoughts on each. And then at the end of today's show, I'll give a little ranking of the ones I think are the most impactful going forward this season. So let's get right into it. Last week, obviously, we kicked off with the Kevin Byard trade to, from the Tennessee Titans to the Philadelphia Eagles. Going to be one of my favorite trades of the deadline. We already broke that one down, though, a little bit. But after that, we had the Falcons yesterday acquiring defensive tackle Contavious Street and a 2025 seventh-round pick from the Eagles for their 2024 sixth-round pick. This one obviously comes on the backs of Grady Jarrett tearing his ACL out for the year. Massive blow for the Falcons. Massive blow for them going forward, too, because Grady Jarrett's now getting up there in age, was already in the midst of one of his, you know, worst season since he's gotten to the NFL, definitely on the downside of his career. So they're going to need some answers at DT going forward. Contavious Street only played 87 snaps this year for the Philadelphia Eagles. This is this is just a depth move to immediately plug that hole for a team that has hopes of winning the NFC South this year. It really not really a massive investment to do so, but also not too notable compared to some of these other moves we're going to see. The big move yesterday, though, was the Seattle Seahawks acquiring Leonard Williams defensive tackle from the Giants for a 2024 second round pick and a 2025 fifth round pick. So Leonard Williams, some background on him, 29 years old right now. I know he has a 2015 draft pick, but super young coming out, still only 29 years old in a contract year. The Giants take all of his money this year. They ate the money by converting it to a bonus. So it's basically no cost for the Seahawks to add this piece. That's why they kind of pay the premium with the draft capital, because if you'll think back to 2019, when the Giants acquired him in the first place, Dave Gettleman, the move that made no sense at the time, they only gave up a third and a fifth to get Leonard Williams in 2019 to then pay him an absurd amount of money over the last handful of seasons to be a New York Giant. So that was when Williams was 25. So you're paying the premium to basically get a zero cost addition to your roster here. That's why you have to give up a second round pick. Now, is it a worthwhile premium to pay for the Seattle Seahawks? This almost, this kind of feels like the year before the year, right? For Seattle. I, I don't, it's because they're so young because so many of the players on this team, both your offensive tackles, uh, your cornerback, your top cornerback duo there in the secondary. So many players on this roster are still on their rookie deal 
are still ascending. It just feels kind of like this is cutting off the head of the snake before it gets fully grown to a degree. I don't think that was a great analogy what I just used there. But I'm more so saying that they are giving away draft capital when they're still on the rise, right? This isn't quite trading the first rounder for Percy Harvin as the last piece of the puzzle to win a Super Bowl, right? That team was already stacked. That team was already a couple years running and being a playoff team before they ended up winning it all. This to me is one where I would have, I just, I wouldn't have given up a second rounder for Leonard Williams. I just think it's too much. I think it's too much to give for a guy at his age, who's quite frankly, not that impactful right now. He is an above average DT for sure. He's a guy you can play every single down, has some versatility, can play nose, can play up and down the line of scrimmage for you on the defensive side of the ball. But it doesn't feel like this is what puts you over the edge in a loaded top, or not a loaded, but a top-heavy NFC right now. I just don't see it. I, I don't see it, but, and with, again, when you're as hot as John Schneider's been in the draft, and I know the joke was the second rounder would have been a running back. Ha ha, yeah, I get it. Maybe it would not have, maybe it wouldn't have been an impactful pick, but a second rounder is still a premium pick. You know, they've had a lot of, obviously, draft capital since the Russell Wilson trade. That's been what kind of built this roster back up, drafting so well to get it. I just would, I just don't think you're to the pinnacle yet where it's like, yeah, let's get a guy just for this season just to see what happens. I just don't think it is. And so it's a great deal from the Giants' perspective. Getting a second rounder in return, you'll take that cap space all day. This is roster very bereft of talent right now. I'm going to tell you that. So Giants perspective, it's great. Seahawks perspective, it just feels like we've seen this story before, whether it was the Percy Harvin trade, the Jimmy Graham trade, the Jamal Adams trade. Every single one looked awesome on paper. The guy looked like he was going to be a stud for you in Seattle. None of those ever really came to fruition. All of those you would like a redo on. And I think this is another one where I find it hard to think that in a year or two's time, we're not going to be saying the Seahawks probably wanted to redo here. That's just my thought. All right. Next one that I think is my least favorite trade of the whole deadline. And it is the Bears acquiring Montez Sweat, the edge defender from the Commanders, for a 2024 second round pick. If you'll call back to last year, they gave up the 2023 second round pick to go get Chase Claypool at the deadline one of the worst deadline deals you'll ever see, truthfully. That one, they've already, obviously, they moved on from him to the Miami Dolphins earlier uh, after they benched him earlier this season. So that one crashed and burned pretty hard. This one, I don't foresee crash and burning to that rate. But I similarly question why it has to be done now. Why do we need to add this guy to the roster now? It reeks, just absolutely reeks of Matt Eberfluss. And Ryan Pohl is trying to save their jobs. That's what it reeks of. Because there's this little thing called free agency. That Montez Sweat, at the end of the season, is going to be after he plays out the fifth year of his contract. He will be a free agent. And you know who else is set to become a free agent? Daniil Hunter. Chase Young. Josh Allen of the Jaguars. Brian Burns of the Carolina Panthers. It's not going to be a free agent market bereft of talent and rushing the passer. When you sign those free agents, you know what you don't have to do? You don't have to give up the 35th overall pick in the NFL draft. That could even be higher than that with the way the Chicago Bears are playing. It makes zero It just makes zero sense. You're giving a second rounder up for to improve your, improve your draft pick this year. 
when this season's over for you, the Chicago Bears. There's not, there's not a bounce back coming here. I'm sorry to break it to you. So your season's over here. So him playing this year is meaningless for you. You're basically giving up a second rounder for the right to franchise tag Montez Sweat if he doesn't agree to your contract demands is, I think, what you're getting right now. You're getting the inside track towards signing him, which, cool. That doesn't mean he's going to all of a sudden acquiesce to whatever figure you offer him. You know what it all it usually means? It usually means that guy has all the leverage in negotiations. <laughs> you know, the guys, we've, the teams we've seen trade draft capital for a guy in the last year of a deal before he goes on to a bigger deal usually has a lot of leverage at the negotiating table and usually get paid pretty handsomely. So Montez Sweat, definitely not a tier one edge rusher. He's never been that. I'd struggle to put him in tier two. He's a little bit of a one-trick pony off the edge. And now he's, you know, in every down type of edge. Can definitely play the run better than anyone you got there in Chicago. But I don't see a guy that, you know, when he has a mismatch, teams are, or teams are like worried about going into game that teams are game planning around. And he's also going to an offensive line, a defensive line now where he's going to be the focal point, whereas he was never the focal point in Washington. Poof. I, I just think this is. This is mortgaging the future for present job security for a GM. And that's never a position you want to be in as a franchise. You never want your GM making job saving type of decisions because they are always short term. And this just reeks of that. You, there's a thing called for agency. And this is a premium pick. This is going to be a high pick in the draft. Let me just read you some names of guys that went pick 32 through pick 36 right now in the last year's draft that this was, you know, where Chase Claypool, the Chase Claypool pick would have been 32 Joey Porter Jr. Who's looked fantastic since starting the past few weeks of the Pittsburgh Steelers. 33, Will Levis, 34, Sam Laporta, 35, Michael Mayer, 36, Steve Avila, maybe the best rookie offensive lineman in the NFL this year. Those were 32 through 36. Pick one of those guys, put them on the Bears right now. How much better do you feel about this roster? You feel a lot better. That's not to say every pick in that range is always going to be that good. But those are premium picks. The top of the second round routinely produces high-end talent. Routinely. And so to give up a pick like that for a guy like Montez Sweat, if you're a GM that has any sort of confidence in your ability to evaluate talent, you should be saying... I turned that pick into Montez Sweat nine times out of 10. And now no one does. But that's what you should be thinking right now because that is how you build a championship caliber roster, not by trading second rounders to then pay that guy 20 plus million dollars a year. All right. I, I can't. I mean, as a Packers fan, I love the pick but for the trade, but <laughs> I, I need to stop going in as hard as I am. So with that in mind, let's get to some sponsors here. Today's episode is brought to you by... DoorDash. Did the game go to a timeout? Is it time to order in with DoorDash? Is it halftime? That's ordering time. Two-minute warning? You got it. That's your cue to order in. Order chips, dips, nachos, or everything you need to make your own nachos on DoorDash and get it all delivered without missing the game. Kick back at kickoff with unbeatable deals on everything you need to watch the party for the watch party yikes, or tailgate. Score football season's best deals on groceries, restaurants, retail, and more. Get prepared before game day. Stock up on your favorite appetizers and or all your tailgate gear on DoorDash. Then get ready to watch your team win. 
Get up to 50% off, up to $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. That's 50% off, up to $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. All right, next trade up on the docket. We have the Minnesota Vikings acquiring Josh Dobbs in a 2024 seventh-round pick from the Cardinals for a 2024 sixth-round pick. The most in-vogue trade of the trade deadline is the six-seventh swap. No one loves anything more than the six-seventh swap here at the deadline. It's really hot. It's basically the biggest way of saying, take this guy off our hands right now. We don't care what it takes. We don't want him anymore. And that was the Arizona Cardinals, Josh Dobbs. Now, we played well for the Arizona Cardinals compared to expectations. He did not play well in the annals of starting quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, like the expectations of a guy that gets you trade for the day before or the week before he's slated to start is obviously going to be super low. And he surpassed those considerably. But still, if you flip on the tape, not particularly accurate, a good amount of times putting the ball in harm's way over the course of the season. Now he's mobile, can run. He's going to be playing behind a better offensive line there in Minnesota. But I don't know what this does for the Vikings besides kind of just keep them in draft purgatory. You're four and four, tied for the third wild card right now. Is he getting you that third wild card spot? Is he maintaining that position for you? especially with Justin Jefferson out, is that going to be the case? I don't think so. I mean, Kirk Cousins was playing maybe the best football we've seen from him in his career prior to the, the Achilles tear, which that was one of the weirdest Achilles tears I've ever seen. Just on his drop back, that sucks. That's like my nightmare, getting up at my age, trying to play any sport at 33 years old, just thinking that's all it takes, just bouncing, just a little like bounce at the back of a drop, that can pop my Achilles. Oh my God, no one's safe. That's mortifying to think about, but you got to block that out. Awful for him. But this kind of, this kind of forces the Vikings hand here in the will they, won't they quarterback discussion about what to do with the future and that they have to now look to move on with Kirk Cousins in his later thirties now getting up there, trying to rehab an, an Achilles tear that's on his plant leg. I don't know. I, I do think that this is now the offseason that they address quarterback, but this seems like a move that's going to get you out of the quarterback draft picks or at least into kind of the third tier or second tier of quarterback draft picks in the draft. So, yeah, he's going to be better than Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall did not look particularly good coming in when he was forced. He almost threw his game away there at the end of the game for the Minnesota Vikings. But Dobbs doesn't Dobbs doesn't make you any scarier as a team. Doesn't Dobbs doesn't make you a playoff team. It definitely doesn't make you like a team that's capable of competing for anything more than that once if they even get there. So low stakes, obviously, but it kind of just means you'll they'll win you games that probably didn't want to be winning in the first place. So and it keeps morale up, but I don't know what else it does for you. All right. They made a different move though, the Minnesota Vikings, that doesn't really compute with the other one, in that they traded left guard Ezra Cleveland to the Jacksonville Jaguars for a 2024 six-round pick. Awesome move for the Jaguars here. And Ezra Cleveland, 
started for multiple years at guard there is kind of the worry is the he is what you worry about when you draft a project offensive lineman that quote unquote project offensive lineman take a lot longer than some other positions to develop that the guy with all the tools to put that skill together it could take him three and in cleveland's case about four years this is the first year he really looks like he knows what he's doing in pass protection only allowed 10 pressures so far this season after allowing over 50 a year ago so like it kind of has come on to give him up now when you just traded for josh dobbs i i don't I, I would need someone to explain the kind of rationale of both moves to me and how they fit in a sort of cohesive vision of the future. But I thought Cleveland could have netted you even higher than a six if he plays this well the rest of the season and a compensatory pick because everyone kind of knew who he was, right? Everyone knew, knew he was a guy with, uh, he had the best combine testing of anyone coming out that year at Boise State, was a tackle that was going to get converted to guard because of his arm length. And everyone kind of knew like, hey, if it like turns on, if it starts to get good, he could be real good. And I think you're starting to see the flashes of that this year. He's very athletic when climbing to the second level, tracks down linebackers really well. I think there's teams that will be coveting him as a starter in free agency. And when that's the case, I mean, I think you would net at least like a six rounder in return. So which way are you going, Minnesota? For the Jaguars, this was an easy win. They Ben Barch was not playing well at guard for them. He actually gets waived after this deal. Had gotten benched earlier on in the season. I will right, we'll get to the final couple trades here in a second. But first, today's broadcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over, unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Here was the one that I did not see coming. The 49ers acquired Chase Young from the Commanders for a Commanders 2024 third round pick. Man, my initial thoughts on this one. You would have told me that the Commanders back in 2021, so that was heading into Chase Young's second year, Montez Sweat's third year. People are talking about who's the best edge duo in the NFL. They're getting brought up as one, two, or three, like continuously. This is the, if you're a Commanders fan, you could not be more hyped about the potential of this duo. Fast forward two and a half years later, neither on the Commanders, neither get a first round pick in return. And now I don't even know what the Commanders kind of plan is going forward. Obviously, they have the draft capital to make it work, but like this isn't a good football team in <laughs> so many different places. You have so many holes on this roster now that. It's kind of just another mini rebuild. It's a tough spot to be in if you're a Commanders fan. I, my heart goes out to them. They just they they just keep making bad draft decisions. It's, and the ones that turn out to be good, you're you're flipping away. Uh, and I get that Chase Young had a much maligned sort of Commanders career, but he's not a bust. He's only a bust in the fact that an ACL tear robbed him of some of his prime years. 
but he is an impactful edge rusher. Maybe he's not as much as he was hyped up to be, but this guy still is someone you have to worry about on a weekly basis, that if you have a weaker offensive tackle, he is going to go right through that. 38 pressures so far this season. And again, had a year and a half of his career robbed via that ACL tear in 2021. Not everyone's Adrian Peterson. They don't all come back just as explosive. It took him a while. But I think you're starting to see it. And now he's going to Chris Kosarek, the maybe the best defensive line coach in the NFL for the San Francisco 49ers, playing across from Nick Bosa, top five edge rusher in the NFL, to where, man, the 49ers defensive line has options now. They, they send out, you know, with the Randy Gregory trade, Eric Armstead, they send out some talent there on third downs that you've got to worry about. So 49ers really making a push all in, put the chips to the edge table. But I also think this is a position where, you know, Chase Young, if he meshes well there, you're with a former college teammate, Nick Bosa, right? Back at Ohio State. It was actually Chase Young, you know, that year that Nick Bosa got hurt, that he really broke out as a sophomore. And I believe led the nation in pressures that year, way back 2018, I think that was. Um, and so those guys lining up now next to each other once again. And if you likes basically the defensive line coach there, which everyone seems to, you have an inside track of signing this guy to maybe a team-friendlier deal after that ACL. Not many people maybe want to take a risk on a big money deal to this guy with all the complications that went along with that. Love this pick. Love this move for the San Francisco 49ers. For the commanders, I just, again, I don't get where this all went wrong. Right? There was so much promise here. And it's really disheartening the way they kind of just flushed it down the drain with some draft decisions in recent years. It's really tough to see. Really tough to see. All right. Here's one that's not quite as impactful that we can kind of go through quickly here. Lions getting Donovan Peoples-Jones from the Browns for a 2025 sixth-round pick. Crazy that they couldn't get the sixth, seventh swap done here, that it wasn't just a sixth-round pick. Because Donovan Peoples-Jones is not a guy you want starting on your roster. He's played 439 snaps this year, but has only 97 receiving yards. This past week, he was on the field for 35 pass plays and wasn't even targeted. Now, I think Lions make this move for his run blocking, not as much his pass catching ability. This was, I mean, that's why he played as many snaps as he did there in Cleveland. It's because he's a bigger dude. A little over 6'2", over 200 pounds, willing blocker. They'd have him kick out ends. They'd have him down block on pin and pulls. He can do that. I wouldn't call him an elite run blocker by any means, but definitely a guy that's willing to mix it up. I think that's why they make this move, because there is nothing I've seen from him really as a receiver that would justify wanting him in that starting lineup. I'll just let's keep it real. All right, and then the last deal before the deadline, one of my favorites too. I, I think this is a great move for the Buffalo Bills. They get cornerback Razul Douglas and a 2024 fourth-round pick from the Green Bay Packers for a 2024 third-round pick. Now, the way both these teams are trending, that may not be a massive difference between those two picks, right? That you have, You'll have some compensatory picks in there, and you may have about five other picks in there between the Green Bay Packers when they're on the clock and when the Buffalo, in the fourth round and when the Buffalo Bills are on the clock in the third round. So it's really only a trade-up or a trade-back excuse me, for the Buffalo Bills. So not massive stakes there for them. To get a guy who's off strip fire starter on your roster, and I think a great scheme fit 
for what Sean McDermott wants to do. He's great with his eyes in the backfield. He's massive, massive corner who can play press or off or slot or safety. He's really versatile. Honestly, he's been the Packers' best defensive back this season and maybe last season too. Five pass breakups already, a pick, nine picks over the last two seasons. How he's built his career in Green Bay has really been amazing to watch because they got him for nothing from Arizona. Guy was on the practice squad there and then really turned it around in Green Bay. I, I think it's a great low stakes because he's also under contract next year, Rizul Douglas. This is not a, oh, you know, every single other guy here, I believe, that got moved is in a contract year, except for Rizul Douglas, who will now be under contract this year for the Buffalo Bills. $9 million cap hit next year. That's workable. And it's one of those $9 million base salary that if they want to turn it to bonus, they can really push it down the, the line there if they want to. So a low stakes, low risk move that, man, that really, uh, really job well done there by Brandon Bean and company. I think that's a move that now does it put you back towards the top of the AFC? It's tough. It's going to be tough without Matt Milano. Matt Milano was so impactful for that defense. They just really have not been able to do what they want to do with their light boxes defensively without them. So we'll see how that goes going forward. But this is a good move. So that was it. That was your trade deadline. A quick ranking of how I would go down these moves in terms of additions. I think number five, I'd go Ezra Cleveland move to Jacksonville Jaguars. Get a starting guard for a six-rounder. Is he a great starting guard? No. Is he better than what you had? For sure. At number four, I'd go the Chase Young move. It's a little bit to give up. Third rounder for kind of half a season for a guy who may walk, but he, he'll probably net you a fourth in compensatory. If you do let him walk, could even net you a third, depending on how well he plays the rest of the season. Could even stay there long-term, depending on how well he plays the rest of the season. So yeah, it's an all-in sort of move, but this team's all-in. They got to make some plays. Rasul Douglas to the Buffalo Bills, my number three move. Just a darn good corner for not a lot to give up. That's a great move, in my opinion. And the guy who could be there next year could be a multi-year starter for you in Buffalo. Really under the radar move for me. I'll go back for number two, my one of my favorite moves that I think will still will start to pay off. And this is before the deadline, really. But the Randy Gregory trade to San Francisco, I think, will also in the long term, it was such a low risk. I believe it was a sixth round. It was one of those six, seven swaps to get a guy like Randy Gregory. It's not costing him like a dime who, when he wants to turn it on, dude can turn it on, man, those years, the year in Dallas. And then at the start of his Broncos career, he really could get off and rush the passer, but obviously injuries. Uh, and then Randy Gregory being Randy Gregory's, you know, factor there as well. And then my favorite move, Kevin Byard. Now the early returns, obviously this past week, they kind of got carved up throwing them in right away to that defense, maybe not the best of ideas after like no practice time, but I think the move will still pay off long-term for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, there you have it. There's the trade deadline breakdown show. As I mentioned at the top, breakout player is going to be pushed to tomorrow. Not sure what we're going to rank with Austin Gale yet on Thursday. Not sure what prospects we're going to be ranking yet on Friday. We'll iron those out in the coming days though. Appreciate you guys listening today don't forget you can subscribe and follow for free on youtube or wherever you get your podcast we'll be back tomorrow have a good one